Like kangaroo. Roo. You got it. <laughs> like kangaroo. Is that how you usually tell people how to pronounce your last name? Sometimes. It was like my uh, AIM username and all that growing up. So, um, Kangaroo kinda, was? Yeah. Like AIM. Um, first, like, email address. So... <laughs> It was definitely an identity for a while, but we've we've grown up and evolved past that. So, haven't we all grown up and moved past <laughs> in our lives? <laughs> okay. Everybody, welcome to Extra Points with me, Mariah Guzman. Uh, this is my first episode, so it's very exciting. And please don't judge me too harshly if it's not perfect, because I definitely assume that it will be far from perfect. But I am excited about my first guest on the very first show, Alex Rue, who is a digital media producer for Big Ten Network. So thank you so much for joining me today, Alex. All right. How's it going? This is quite an honor to be a guest on your first podcast episode of Extra Points. I'm excited. I know. Isn't it so exciting? I mean, this could either really take off and it could really be something that I continue with or it could flop after the first episode. But either way, you get to say that you were a part of it. So I feel like there is some and there's something good about that. <laughs> hey, put it in the record books. You know, like you said, if you, if this gets canceled, I don't even know who would cancel it. But if it gets canceled <laughs> after one episode, at least I, uh, you know, can either take all the blame or all the credit. True. Very true. Okay. Well, I'm here for that. And I guess we should tell every or let everybody know. So everybody already knows that I did my undergrad at Illinois and I'm completing my master's, but you also did your undergrad at Illinois. So that was kind of how we got to know each other. And that's kind of why I brought you on to the first episode, because while this isn't a podcast that is all about Illinois, it cut me some slack. I just we might spend more time talking about Illinois than other teams. And that's okay. Cause sometimes they give us more to talk about than other teams. Um, <laughs> so moving on, basically we're just going to recap everything. Big 10. I feel like big 10 games were crazy this weekend, but sports in general felt insane this weekend. Like even professional sports too. I mean, it, it's been a crazy weekend for sports fans for sure. It was a lot of fun um, from, like you said, Big Ten football coming back to the World Series, um, you know, some good NFL games on today. It was a nice welcome back to a routine that, you know, I'd gotten used to the last few years since I worked at BTN. Uh, a little different this year because the routine was done from home instead of the office downtown in downtown Chicago. Um but yeah, there were some really wild games, some really uh, exciting performances, plays, and and I am glad, you know, that all eyes pretty much were on the Big Ten Friday night, and then also uh, with some of the, like we mentioned, crazy finishes, Indiana, Penn State probably uh, was something that the whole country had their eyes on. So it's great to uh, get back at it, and excited to chop it up with you a little bit about it. Right, of course. And so, obviously, the first game that kicked off the Big Ten season, the Big Ten schedule, 
was Illinois versus Wisconsin. And there was a lot to talk about. But I should mention that Wisconsin's QB, Graham Mertz, was just diagnosed, is that the right way to put it, uh, with COVID-19. So that's been the breaking news of tonight because it's just a few days after the game. And obviously it's been... It was high stress uh, for people to even put together a Big Ten season with everything going on and with having only eight games plus one in such a short amount of time, it it's obviously going to be difficult, especially if his you know next test comes back as positive again. He will be out for the next three games versus Wisconsin, and he's the, he was the backup QB. So Wisconsin's going to be in some trouble for sure if uh, – they can't if he can't play I mean and I I know that even before it was looked at as well what what can Mertz really do what is he even gonna live up to what Jack Cohn produced for Wisconsin before is he good and and he was a four-star recruit and so I feel like there was too much critique from just kind of everybody, the loud noise everywhere. Um, So I think that he really uh, popped off Friday night and really showed everybody what he could do. And um, I'm sure Jack Cohn was watching and uh, I mean, probably happy for his teammate, but you know, now there's a little bit more competition. Um, What did you think about his performance? Yeah, I mean, talk about a roller coaster for Wisconsin fans, right? Like they they have what looks to be their savior QB after uh, after one game, kind of not not the prototypical Wisconsin quarterback um, guy who could really sling it, get out of the pocket, move around. Get Patrick Mahomes tweeting about it, all eyes, like we said. Yeah. We're on the Big Ten, and, and then Sunday night you sit here and and uh, get the news of <clears throat> the positive antigen test and. Um, now, obviously, you hope that the, the swab, I think of the PCR test, which is a little more accurate from what I understand, comes back negative. Um, and if it's positive and Mertz does have to miss time, that throws into question, you know, obviously a lot of things for Wisconsin. But you also hope that this isn't the start of an outbreak, right, on, on uh, either um, Wisconsin or Illinois. You, obviously, you don't know when Mertz, uh, you know, contracted the disease, but he's obviously in contact with his teammates and, and uh, everyone who was on the field most players were on the field Friday night. So hopefully this is contained. Um, Hopefully, you know, if he does have to miss time, it's the minimum. And it's going to, you know, we've already kind of immediately been tested with this shortened slate with uh, Jeff Brom missing the game Saturday uh, from coaching. He Mm -hmm. didn't seem to hurt hurt Purdue too much because they took care of business against Iowa. I know, right? But (laughs) there's been, yeah, but there's been some big names already. So you hope that this is kind of the extent of it. just kind of like how the NFL seems to figure out most of their issues after some bumps with um, the Titans and a couple other players and teams, but yeah, it's unfortunate. So uh, beyond all that, obviously he, like you said, popped off Friday night. Um, I will say Illinois made it easy on him at times uh, by not covering. At uh, times putting it nicely. (laughs) Yeah. By the safety he's not uh, wanting to cover Ferguson, the tight end. Um, So yeah, I mean, you expect Wisconsin to kind of ground and pound, run the ball quite often um, and just kind of do their thing. But with, with uh, Graham Mertz, really adds a, an element if he can get on the field, stay healthy. And, and talked about Jack Cohen. That's the old Wally Pip, right? 
uh, guy, <laughs> the guy, uh, you know, loses his spot and never, uh, never gets to uh, take the field again. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know what Cohen's injury prognosis is, so I don't know if he'll come back soon. But um, I also don't know what their third string QP situation is either. Yeah. So a lot of questions right now, but uh, there's also a lot of questions for Illinois after a performance like that. Yeah, and you really hope that, you know, Mertz, especially a guy like that, that can perform like that, can just stay healthy, even if it is, you know, a full-on positive. It, it's it, it goes beyond just can he play three games. It's, you know, you want him to be healthy just as a human being. Um, but speaking of him and what he did to Illinois, I mean, I, I was surprised by how – heavy Wisconsin relied on the pass game because historically they have been so heavy on the run game. And I was, you know, just kind of, kind of looking at stats and thinking, well, where were they? Because the Illinois defense was able to control the run game. And that was something that they probably prepared for with just seeing how Wisconsin has always worked in the past. Because again, these teams came in not having spring ball and not knowing what anybody else looked like against other teams. This was the first game that, to start everything off. And so last year, Wisconsin ranked 96 out of 130 teams in the country for passing yards per game and 15th in the country for rushing yards per game. And so this time I feel like Wisconsin proved to be fine with pressure on the run because they had Mertz just slinging shots down the field, and which was impressive. And obviously Illinois couldn't – it just couldn't produce. They were it, – it was just – I, I don't know if they weren't prepared for it, and I don't know if it was just adjustments because they definitely were missing guys. But I know Wisconsin was missing guys too. They, I think, have at least like five guys who haven't come back. So it, I don't think that that can be used as like too much of an excuse as to why. And uh, we also, I guess, have to talk about uh, Jake Hansen, who is a huge part of the Illinois D who left in – very early on in the game, what looked like to be a concussion never came back for the second game. We don't really know much about his status now, but do you think that this game was a tell-all of what these two teams are going to do for the rest of the season, or do you think it was more so kind of getting their feet wet a little bit? Yeah, I think it's – Interesting because you expect Illinois, you know, in year five to look sharper um, uh, with a, a, a upperclassman group, a lot of a lot of upperclassmen on both sides of the ball. And it was the, you know, it was less so about Wisconsin doing what they do um, because you know they're going to be solid. You know they have a very strong program and they're going to do the little things. That's really, honestly, the most surprising thing about the 2019 game is that it was kind of little things that cost them. Right. So, right. So that's what surprised me is the sloppiness that, that Illinois showed. Um, a lot of penalties, drop passes, missed assignments, um, underthrows, bad throws. And also it seemed like, you know, after the game, there was a little uncertainty from some of the players voicing, you know, some, some uncertainty about their roles um, than the team. So we'll see where, where that goes. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, it could, it could be a, a sign of things to come. You obviously hope since it is a veteran group and it is uh, an experienced coaching staff that they can 
keep things together and tighten things up a little bit. Um, it, it just, you know, like you said, the game early on with Hanson going out, it just felt unsteady. The second play of the game from scrimmage for Illinois, Mike Epstein fumbles. That kind of gets the game off to an unsteady start. Early yeah. on, Hanson goes out. There's no rhythm for Illinois at all. And, and you know what? Like, we've seen it before when Illinois gets thrown off their game. Um, you know, under Levy Smith, they tend to – the wheels tend to fall off a little bit. They did a better job last year of, like, at Michigan State, you know, not completely panicking, working their way back in some games. But we saw it a couple of years ago against Iowa. This happens from time to time. And, you know, while you hope it doesn't happen this deep into the program build for Levy Smith um, – at this point, you can't dwell on it. It's one of those burn the tape games, I think. Um, <laughs> I will say, I will say, you went back, you know, went back to what you were saying. Yeah, the the pass defense was, was poor. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised that there's a bright spot at the defensive line getting pushed. I thought that was going to be a, a weakness of, of the defense this year, but they were stuffing Wisconsin up front uh, with the run. So they kind of had, yeah. you know, if, if Jack Cohn would have been back there, who knows if he would have been able to to slice the Illinois defense up like like Mertz did. Um, so that's, I think that's a, that's something to keep an eye on is, you know, do you have kind of a sneaky, good defensive line, uh, maybe front seven this year, if Hanson gets back. Um, I think it's garbage that, that Eifler had to sit the first half of this game. I will never understand every year. I I still scratch my head and can't believe the targeting is a a real rule. Yeah. Right. Well, like it makes no sense to to punish for the next game unless somebody's deliberately headhunting and is egregious about it. Is why are we, you know, college snaps are limited anyway. Why are we taking halves away from players? I'll never understand it. Um, exactly. I don't remember. Like it's, it's, and if I remember correctly, I, w- I was at the game uh, in Santa Clara, and I think it was a garbage call then. So like he's getting, you know, he's getting playing time taken eight months later. It's silly. But anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like I said, you gotta, you gotta, you can't dwell on it. You got a big challenge coming up with Purdue. Clearly. They are formidable uh, after taking care of Iowa. They do things that will challenge Illinois defensively. Um, after you just saw a quarterback pick them apart, you got uh, receivers who can really do some damage. Um, with David Bell, who had three touchdowns against uh, Iowa, I don't know if Rondell Moore is going to come back. It sounds like there's a good chance he will from what I heard. Yeah, just that's from, like what Twitter was saying yesterday and um i think illinois is in trouble if he does come back for sure yeah so like i said you can't dwell on it and you got to get ready for purdue yeah and 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 we'll get to purdue uh but i think that that another thing too is that this might be one of the yeah i yeah i think uh, i'll go out there and say this might be one of the best qbs that illinois sees all season so in terms of that, that might help Illinois' morale this uh, this season, uh, just knowing that. Um, and first game, again, you know, like you said, just like kind of throw away the tape thing. Uh, the last thing that I will point out, and I guess we'll criticize, um, because I don't like all the negativity. Um, Brandon Peters, I am surprised, disappointed, and I just – it doesn't make sense for him to look the way he did Friday night. And also, we know Peters can run. 
We've seen it before. We like a QB that can run. That's what QBs have turned into in college and the NFL. That's what we want. We want a versatile. We want a mobile QB, right? But we don't want a QB that's going to have the most rushing yards out of the game by almost half. Like, that's not that's not okay. I don't think that there's any world where he should be the leading rusher. I, I, in leading in rushing yards. Like, so what did he have? 70, 75 yards on seven carries. Epstein next after that with 36 yards on eight carries. Why are we, why are we putting our team in that position? And like, and for uh, Peters to be doing this with a team that he knows at this point, it's just like, there's no excuse for it. I don't think. And I don't know if I'm being too harsh, but <laughs> again, yeah, it's it's not a balance. It was not a balanced offense. Um, the offensive line, who you know you thought was going to be a strength this year, uh, didn't really have a good game in the running in the running game at least. And Peter seemed to be under pressure quite a bit as well. Um, that said, Wisconsin is a good defense, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, on one hand, you have a, a nice element of Peter's game that he can get out and move, and you can keep the defense honest by on those three options, pulling the ball and tucking and running. But when you're not getting any, uh, anything biting on the run, you know, or any, anything going in the running game with running backs, it's not, it doesn't make that, you know, much of a difference. And, and when Peter's unable to throw accurately, like he was not able to Friday night. Um, yeah, it's concerning. So is it a one game thing? We'll see really soon. Um, there's no bias. There's no, breaks right there's you don't get coastal carolina coming in you, you got to play all big 10 teams so they'll be put to the test um and again like Illinois is not going to the college football playoff they never were uh yeah. it's it's it, this season is you want to see if this rebuild is taking the form that it should and, and is it is the program in a steady place and that's kind of the approach i'm taking as a grad right as an alum mm-hmm. sit back see what they do and um you know, basketball season's always right around the corner too. <laughs> yeah, very true. But yeah, like you said about the rebuild, it and I think Peters is a huge part of that. And so I think that that's why it was just very unfortunate to see that kind of I, I don't even know sloppiness on the field. I've never even been that critical openly like this about the team. But you know, we're gonna move on because I we just can't we can't keep harping over this team. Like I so, said, burn it, and we'll see him again Saturday. Yes, exactly. And who knows what's going to happen. At least there'll be a Memorial Stadium. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. Next, I want to look at Rutgers versus Michigan State. Rutgers won 38-27. to My biggest takeaway, Rutgers might might be better than we thought. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So full disclosure, I didn't watch the game. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you a little, a little behind the scenes of how my my Saturday shakes out. Uh, back when we were in the studio or in the office, um, you know, it's my first four football seasons at BTN. I guess this would be number five. Um, you know, we had all the TVs going. You could kind of monitor every game, and uh, a lot of chatter going on. So you get, you know, you're kind of taking everything in. Now that we're at home, we split the responsibilities up by game for. Uh, for our team, our digital team. And uh, since there was two games in each window, you know, I got one, my coworker gets another. And then we, you know, sling the content coming from the game that we're assigned and just, you know, really watch it like a hawk and know everything there's to know about the game. So, you know, if you ask me about Nebraska and Ohio State, I would know 
um, quite a bit, you know, because I watched every snap of it. But I do know, obviously, what happened in the Rutgers-Michigan State game. Uh, it was a battle of um, first-year head coaches. At least Greg Shiano, you know, it's kind of he's got a little more um, of a background to work with since he was at Rutgers before. But <laughs> it, it, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see um, where those two teams go and how the trajectory of their season plays out. Like, it, yes, it's nice to see Rutgers make some noise, get seven takeaways. That's yeah. crazy. Um, is that because Michigan State is that bad, or is, well, is Rutgers going to have some spark this year? I, I don't. I do not know yet. Um, when you have a full rebuild like Michigan State's going through and Rutgers is going through, there's going to be some ugliness on on either side. But I do think it was nice, you know, for a program like Rutgers, not sniffing close to the success that Michigan State has had in, in the last decade. You know, Michigan State's had plenty of moments in the sun. I'm sure they have a solid foundation. I'm sure that we'll be back soon enough, um, assuming the Mel Tucker hire works out. But I, I do think it's encouraging because Shiano is a good fit in my eyes for Rutgers because he's done it before. It's proven. Yeah. Um, he, it seems like he's reinstalling that, that defensive mentality and the fans seem to like him. So, you know, it seemed like there was a big push for him to come back and, uh, it was a good story yesterday. And, um, I, I don't think they'll get seven turnovers again in a game. And I don't think Michigan state will turn the ball over <laughs> seven times, but who knows? Uh, yeah, well, that was, was, that was Michigan state's most allowed since 1981. Uh, um, statistically. And I just like random fact, I, when I looked at that, I was like, really, really? So <laughs> you're right. Rutgers might not do that again. Hopefully Michigan doesn't allow that again. Michigan state did outgain Rutgers in total yards. It was 379 to 276. So, uh, things were looking good on both sides. So I agree that it's just nice to see these teams uh, in where they are in a, in a pretty high scoring game, I think too, for the both of them. Um, so we'll, we'll move on because we don't uh, need to spend. Hey, hey, I wanted to, I wanted to also give, you know, take you inside the process a little bit, let you know what I do um, on, on yeah, these Saturdays. So people know what you do. <laughs> right. Right. And like, you know, I, I am an Illinois grad and I, I don't think it's like a secret that I, you know, want them to do well, but I never let it like affect my, my, my judgment or my job. Right. Like if I'm, if I'm tweeting or posting stuff from uh, Illinois uh, or if I wasn't doing this Friday night, um, but if I was posting content from the Illinois Wisconsin game, I would not, um, you know, Oh no, like ugh, Wisconsin, another, uh, yeah. <laughs> another touchdown. Like that's just not, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work like that. Never let it affect my, uh, <laughs> my, my job. But I do, you know, still have some of the juices flowing from my uh, upbringing down in Champaign yeah, right? and my, uh, and my undergrad days. So um, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's fun to get paid to watch, you know, even, even bad football like we saw Friday night. Yeah. And even some games that we've grown up uh, historically watching too. And I said that in my intro episode, I said, you know what, I'm going to make it very clear. I, went to Illinois for four years. I'm still going here. I was an Illinois fan for as long as I can remember growing up. I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm going to be very happy when they win and very sad when they lose. But is that going to get in the way of me analyzing them and breaking down what they did wrong and what they did well? No. Is it going to take away from what I say about other teams that go against them? Definitely not because I can just look at things from above. But Everybody has their favorite teams. I think that's uh, definitely okay to say. So um, we'll look at Ohio State versus Nebraska. And just as I say, 
I'm an Illinois fan and I won't hide it. <laughs> um, Ohio State, 52, Nebraska, 17. I I mean, what did we expect, right? <laughs> Pretty much this. This is what we expected. Um, yeah, and one more point. Like, I, I think that's the way to go, Mariah, because that's what the way the space is kind of evolving, right? Like, people want their media coverage or their media personalities to have personality. They want to kind of relate to them as fans. That's why I like blogging and podcasts have been so successful is because the personality is behind them. So uh, I think you made the right choice. However, um, <laughs> like you said, I think we expected a result like we saw um, in the horseshoe on Saturday. Uh, for a second there, the opening drive, Nebraska marched right down the field. Luke McCaffrey, uh, Christian yeah. McCaffrey's brother, had a big run and Martinez, uh, you know, looked pretty good and, and scored the opening touchdown. And for a second, you're like, Oh, you know, like, yeah, right. The, the meme. <laughs> but, um, and, and they, they played like, I, I even saw the feedback from Nebraska fans. I think they were pretty pleased overall with their performance. They hung tough with Ohio state for a while. Some calls didn't go their way. They had a lot of targeting calls, uh, not go their way. And their fans are not happy about that. Yeah. Um, you know, bad calls are not, it was not going to matter. Ohio state was going to get it done. <clears throat> They just have so many weapons. They're so deep. Uh, if they can get past Penn State this weekend, they'll probably go to the college football playoff. Uh, Michigan looked good, so that'll be a challenge. But uh, Ohio State, you know, they're trying to work in their new running backs. Well, not new, but their replacements for J.K. Dobbins. Uh, yeah. Trey Sermon is new. Master Teague is now kind of the feature back. They have NFL receivers all over the place. Um, Justin Fields is probably another going to be a Heisman contender again. Yeah. Uh, defense That's is pretty magic. good. Right. So it's like, you know – that was a nice tune-up for them um, for the Penn State game coming up this weekend. However, uh, you know, we saw what happened at Penn State, so the game doesn't have quite as much luster as, um, you know, we might have thought yeah. 26 hours ago or so. Right, yeah. And, and overall, it's just like it, it goes with the, the natural theme of this season there's a lot of rustiness and there's a lot of unknown going into everything and what these teams are going to look like and so you're going to see upsets you probably didn't expect and you're going to see things that you blowouts that you most definitely did want to see and yeah like you mentioned justin fields absolute magic again 20 for 21 and two touchdowns and what 276 yards for two oh two for 20 for 21 and 276 yards so so they call light work uh, yeah (laughs) so and i think that like you said nebraska had some things not go their way eight penalties i you just like can't make those mistakes i think there were three targeting calls yeah so they're now so they have look at the schedule they got wisconsin next week so Mertz isn't going to play most likely. And Nebraska's got like three starters on defense and have to miss the first half. So, yeah. So that's going to be so interesting. I really, I feel like I will look forward to that'll be like on my high list of like top three games of I'm going to look forward to, especially if Mertz is out, because I just want to see how those teams even manage that loss. But I, I mean, and being as critical as I can about Ohio State, I just think that the one, their weakness might be their run defense. I I, I don't know. It, it might be a little too far out there. But also, I just like going way past anything analytical. So uh, Coach Day actually apologized to Nebraska for his team not kneeling. Uh, Did he? Tw- I didn't see that. 
Yeah, well, he just like came out in an article and said that he was gonna, you know, phone Nebraska's coach and give him a call because they do have a good relationship. But what do you think about teams not taking a knee in those final seconds? I mean, when I like, I know this is a Big Ten uh, podcast, but like, for example, when Arizona played Dallas last week I was like please God just stop it right now like Kyler Murray why did you have to throw another touchdown with less than a minute left like why did you have to do that to them it, it was done and over with a very long time ago so I'm heard that you brought that up I'm heard you brought that up for for other reasons that I will not get into the Kenyon Drake uh, run for the last play it was not good for me but I won't get into that so that game was awful for me as far as fantasy goes but Back to the original question, I guess. What do you think about teams not, uh, you know, taking a knee for that reason? I mean, is it an issue? Is it sometimes blown more out of proportion than we think? Or is it it kind of it goes by situational, like, game? Yeah, I think think college football is interesting, right? Because it is so much about the eye test and, like, perception and – what is this? What is the playoff committee going to do when a when a team like Ohio State is on their list and they're deciding them or Georgia or whatever? Mm-hmm. They're going to look at the scores, like how badly do they beat these teams, and and it rewards, you know, it behooves these teams to to whoop, you know, inferior opponents as much as they can. So I don't have a huge problem with running up the score and college football. However, like if it's just classless, I didn't see honestly. I didn't see the Ohio State play. I'm sure they didn't mean anything by it. I like Coach Day. I think he's a, a good good dude. Um, yeah. And like you said, he apologized. So I, I wouldn't think that's an issue. But, um, you know, like I didn't like – if it's a classless thing or like I know people were defending at the time. I didn't like when the U.S. women's soccer team scored like 14 against Thailand and were like doing cartwheels and stuff on the field. Like, <laughs> you know, love their team. But like I – you get kind of a weird feeling when stuff like that happens when it's clearly an inferior opponent. Um so, yeah, it's like give know, and take and situational for sure. Right. But I do think college football is the one sport and sort of in college basketball now with the net rankings, right? Like 10 point losses were counting more or 10 point wins or in losses were, were uh, counting more towards your net ranking. So like there are certain situations where, it, you know, run it up. Like, and then if the other teams can't stop you, you know, that's their problem. You're trying to get to a college football playoff. Uh, but this only applies to like, you know, the, the, the elite of the elite in college football. So uh, interesting question. And I think it, it varies, like you said. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree 100%. Next game, the one that probably was the most, I don't want to say breathtaking. I feel like this is, that's not the word to use. Uh, the one that had the most shock at the end of the night, uh, <laughs> Penn State versus Indiana. I mean, do do I even need to explain what happened or do we just know how insane that, 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 that was, I just, and also like nobody expected Indiana to win. So I guess, you, you know, like they called the Illinois Wisconsin game, the revenge game, and maybe Wisconsin did get their revenge, but I think the game of the weekend goes to this one. 100% hands down. I mean, this was something that we didn't expect. And I, sometimes those turn out to be the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, I, if I remember correctly, I think Indiana played Penn State close last year. So, um, you know, it wasn't a total shock. And Indiana's solid. Uh, Penn State was missing Journey Brown. Um, so, 
it was definitely the game of the weekend. I think across college football, the finish was insane. Like it, there's so many things had to happen. It was kind of like in the um, Atlanta Falcons game today where Penn state just could have, they could have uh, kneeled down and not scored. And they, I think they were almost guaranteed to win. Yeah. Instead they scored the touchdown, went up eight mm-hmm. and, um, and Indiana took advantage. And for Indiana, it's interesting. I was in the position of like, I'll believe it when I see it because they had built themselves up to a level as a program where they could take care of teams that were worse than them. And they would, they got eight wins last year, but the, the glass ceiling, the, you know, the hump they had to get over was beating a big time opponent. They hadn't beat a big, a top 10 opponent since 1987. Like you think about Illinois football's history. There's a lot of bad in there, right? Illinois still has flashes where they beat, you know, number one, Ohio state, they beat number six, Wisconsin last year. They beat, they had plenty of top 10 wins and big moments in the last 20, 30 years, you know, Rose Bowl, uh, uh, BCS Bowls, et cetera. There was none of that for Indiana in recent memory. And it was, it was a nice story that they had built it up under Tom Allen to be respectable. Yeah. But it still didn't have that marquee win. And I was just like, you know, if not last night, like wins are going to, wins are going to happen uh, for them. And, and they did it. And it was awesome. It was an amazing finish. I still don't know if he got in, like, Dude, I really don't. Was, like, I, yeah, that was going to be my question. Like, do you think that he was in because watching that, I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's one of those, like, probably not, but you can't overturn it. If, if the call in the field was touchdown, like, you, it wasn't enough to overturn. So, and and you know what? Like I said, Indiana's been been down long enough, like, historically. Give them the break. Like, you know, I, I think they deserve that. Penn State's had plenty of uh, great seasons and, you know, let Indiana get some shine. That's what I like about college football is when the downtrodden programs historically get to rise up, have their moment in the sun, you know, it's, it's good for the sport. College football needs more of it. You know, I, I don't like seeing the same four teams every year in the playoff. Yeah. Mix it up, get some, get some uh, excitement in there. And, and that game delivered yesterday. It was, it was sweet. Um, and I'm saying all this and uh, even knowing that I, that was my assigned game yesterday. Like I watched every snap. I would, I would have seen it anyway because I was definitely going to change the channel to get to that ending regardless. I saw Tiger Woods. Uh, there was a tweet of Tiger Woods like watching it while he's on on the green uh, watching the ending on someone's phone. So like everybody's eyes are glued to it. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, and it was a nice co- uh, moment for uh, the team afterwards uh, with Coach Tom Allen too. If you, I yeah, you saw that video on mm-hmm. Twitter. So like that that was nice. I, it, just to see that, and I think that upsets or the last minute wins or even moments like with coach Allen after the game that you see, those are the things that we missed from sports. And that's why people miss sports. It wasn't, you know, about seeing every snap and every uh, pass down the field. It was about moments like those that really like bring people together and get people talking on social media and get us, you know, like we're sitting here talking about that. And that was probably the most memorable thing or big 10 game from this weekend because of what happened. And so I think that was just one of those games that really showed, you know, like this is why we missed big 10 football. This is why we missed sports. And this is why we're happy that it's back. Yeah, you can tell from that video in the locker room with Tom Allen and his team. Like, he really cares, and those his players really have bought in and enjoy, you know, his coaching style, what he brings. He's a, definitely an energetic guy, um, you know, very passionate. And, hey, if that stuff's registering, I am I'm all for it. And, and one other thing I liked about the ending of that game, 
even though the Big Ten has said there's not going to be any fans this year, it's stadiums are empty. There are the parents and like the family sections, and that end of the end uh, of the game, that play happened right in front of, I guess, wherever their little parent section was. And so like, it kind of looked normal. There was a yeah. lot of fans like hands in the air and, and freaking out. And so like for a second, you kind of lost yourself in, in our reality and, and right. like, Oh yeah, you know, this is, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to look. Right. And, and it's nice to lose yourself a little bit and to feel a little bit of normalcy. I don't think there's any harm in that. Um, so moving on, I know we said we were going to get, you know, jump back to Purdue. So uh, Purdue, you know, despite missing their star receiver, Rondell Moore, they were able to pull off the upset for, you know, their home opener against the Hawkeyes in a, a 20 to 24. Let me say the score for the people um, in a pretty even game overall, you know, all around, I would say from both teams, honestly. Yeah. So um, from what I saw in the the recap, you know, I was following obviously the game, but what I saw, it seemed um, that Iowa was, was hit pretty hard by penalties. They had over 100 penalty yards. That will, will hurt you in a competitive Big Ten game. Uh, they were breaking in a new quarterback. Nate Stanley's gone, so um, uh, Pete Church is his name. Um, and, you know, Iowa's got some some playmakers coming back. Mekhi Sarge is a good running back. Uh, I, Amir Smith-Marset is a great receiver for them. It's kind of like the Wisconsin thing, right? Like, they can lose guys, but they just kind of reload, and they are going to have a very solid, you know, game plan and right. usually solid execution, but the penalties – cost him and they clearly couldn't stop David Bell whatsoever. What's interesting to me is that Purdue is doing this still with um, uh, Aiden O'Connell, who is a, a walk-on, a former walk-on quarterback. You know, they had David Blau for a while. They had Elijah Sindelar, proven guys. And O'Connell got worked in a little bit last year because of injuries, but it's impressive that they can just kind of plug and play with these QBs. And, and as long as they have playmakers to throw to, um, and I don't want to say it doesn't matter because you have to give O'Connell his credit, but like, it, that's kind of like the Jeff Brom system, right? It, it's yeah. uh, it's electric. It, they're going to throw it all over the field. Um, 24 points isn't that much, but against Iowa, I think it's a huge accomplishment. And it, without your head coach on the sidelines, you know, it, was, uh, it helps that that uh, Coach Brom has his brother on staff. So, you know, they kind of yes. probably had some, you know, wavelengths going on there where they were yeah. able to, you know, <laughs> maybe even add an earpiece. I don't, even, I don't know how it worked, but um, – Definitely the, the continuity is probably a little better, even though he missed time. But yeah, I mean, without Rondell Moore, that's, that's super impressive, uh, especially, you know, beating a, a proven team like Iowa. That's a, that's a statement win for Purdue and, and keeps them in the mix in the West, uh, especially now with the uncertainty of Wisconsin. Yeah, 100%. And I think he, Jeff Brom being gone was honestly the biggest storyline because yeah, Iowa and Purdue, I think, were probably the teams that were – matched the best for each other to start off the season. And I think that like neither team should go away from this game and think we were absolutely terrible or we absolutely killed it. It wasn't one of those where I feel like that's pretty much everything that we have seen through, you know, those past couple of days, but it with Brom being gone, I was kind of worried for Purdue because he is the call player. Like he is the one that, you know, takes, he, he calls everything. And so, but I think you're right. Like having his younger brother definitely helped. Um, but that was his first time calling offensive plays. So, yeah, you know, it was just, it was fun to see. And, I, and I'm glad that it worked out for Purdue, especially like it's tough not having 
your head coach. Like it just is. So I can't even imagine like what that was like. And even if like there was some mentality like shift because of that, uh, but clearly not. So I'm happy that they took away with that win. And I, I, you know, I think they're going to be trouble if more comes back next week for Illinois. So I think it'll be trouble regardless. Cause like I said, Illinois does not do that well when um, they get spread out. And also, you know, they play the, the cover two and there's a lot of soft spots you can kind of pick, you know, with crossing patterns, with, with quick and skilled receivers like they have. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how Illinois responds adjust. They, I think we're uh, given a blessing last year with the weather at Purdue when it was really rainy. That really played in Illinois' advantage. And, you know, Purdue probably has some revenge on their mind. But uh, I think you'd rather, as an Illinois fan, probably have them win that first game, you know, maybe uh, – get a little little higher in their oats yeah and then to, to next uh i don't even think i said that phrase properly but you know what i mean heading into um to next weekend's matchup and for illinois like i don't think they could have played worse or they can play worse coming up so i hope it's, not it's gonna be it's, it's definitely two teams coming from different trajectories right uh so so we'll have to we'll have to see how that plays out one might have more morale than the other. I love using that word. So that everybody just has to get used to it. Uh, moving on to Michigan versus Minnesota. I didn't watch too much of this game. I'll be honest. Michigan 49, Minnesota 24. From what I did see, Michigan successful and just well-balanced offense. Um, they did allow for five sacks and had seven penalties. So... Numbers were kind of everywhere statistically for this game, especially for Michigan. Um, did you have a chance to watch this game? <laughs> I, I kept an eye on it. So I was actually the uh, the game I was like working or whatever was the Maryland Northwestern game going at the same time, which was not much of a game at all. Um, but I did keep it. <laughs> I did keep an eye on Michigan, Minnesota. Obviously, a lot of hype going in. Um, college game day there, all that, all the festivities, and in Minneapolis, Commissioner Warren was there. Um, so bright lights, right? It's the ABC primetime game on ESPN. Um, it was, it was Minnesota's kind of encore after their coming out party last year. And, I, you know, I'm not going to judge Minnesota off one game. Uh, Michigan's tough and they always will, you know, always will be under Harbaugh, I think. Uh, however, yeah. you know, with Minnesota, I feel, I feel like people were discounting just how much Minnesota lost in their projections for uh, what to expect this season. You know, maybe Minnesota, uh, bounces back and gets to Indy. We'll see. But they, they lost a ton on the defensive side of the ball. They lost Tyler Johnson, um, lost some players at running back. They still have Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Altman-Bell. Like those are those are uh, talented players, especially Bateman, who will probably be a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, they still lost a lot from, from last year, especially on the defensive side. And, you know, you see Michigan hang 45 on the Gophers. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to see Michigan play, like, watch a full game because it seems like they got a new uh, element with Joe Milton at quarterback. Uh, they that's, that's been the big question under Jim Harbaugh the whole time is, is it Shea Patterson? You know, is Shea Patterson the chosen one? Is, is uh, you know, Brandon Peters? No. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's quarterbacks been the question. If they have some with Milton, that'll uh, go a long way. I think uh, the Michigan's defense is, is always going to be good. I think under Harbaugh for the most part, their running game looks really solid with uh, Charbonnet and uh, Son Haskins. So they look to be a solid team. We'll, we'll see how they, uh, how they progress and all eyes are obviously going to look ahead to the Ohio state matchup. Um, looking at the schedule. Now they get Michigan state next week. That should, 
uh, not be too much of a challenge. I don't think with how we saw the Spartans perform. Yeah, definitely not. See, but it, it was interesting to see Michigan come out so strong um, and, you know, kind of stomp Minnesota decisively. Unfortunately, yeah, I uh, feel bad for Minnesota. They do have a great QB, though. I think he's pretty underrated. So Tanner Morgan, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, and you know, their de- their defense is gone and it wasn't very good last year. So I just think that, that the odds were definitely not in their favor. Um, so you said that you did, you know, you were on the Northwestern and Maryland game and that one was, uh, definitely interesting <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so, I tweeted uh, like right when the game started. So is Northwestern just going to run over Maryland all night? And in fact, they did just that 43 to three, which was okay. I did. I, I kind of, ex- I expected Northwestern to win a coach Fitz got his 100s win. So shout out to him for that. But I, I didn't expect them to run over Maryland like this. So that was, that was some, uh, the game wasn't as back and forth as I kind of wanted it to be. Well, I think last year was probably an aberration for Northwestern, right? They're, uh, three and nine, I think, um, we're not good at all. Yeah. A lot of that can be attributed to the, you know, poor quarterback play they had. They brought in Peyton Ramsey this year, Indiana transfer. That seems to have solved at least through one game, a lot of their issues. Um, they have a solid running attack. Got some decent playmakers at receiver, and there's it's Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. They're going to be solid and do the little things, and and you know muck it up usually. And all of a sudden, you look up, and you know Northwestern, even though they've lost every statistical category, they they have won the game. That's kind of the Northwestern model. Last night, that wasn't even in question. Like they just dump trucked Maryland. Um, <laughs> Maryland, look, Maryland's in a rebuild. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Lashley can get going there because he can recruit. He's getting recruits. To his brother, uh, Tagovailoa is the quarterback. He, he had a rough game, but um, uh, he'll be able he to had recruit. a very rough game. <laughs> yeah, so, Talia Tagovailoa just literally at first college star I know, but he just absolutely struggled. A sack twice and had three interceptions. So I felt mighty bad for that man. <laughs> I know, like your brother's getting his name the starter of an NFL team, and yeah, you know, then you come in and, and struggle on your first start. Uh, it's gotta, it's gotta be a uh, bruise the ego a little bit, but you know what? It's, it happens. It's a young quarterback. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's obviously got a great, great mentor to learn from. So, um, yeah, we'll see about Maryland. They, it, it's going to be more of a multi-year thing, I think, to keep an eye on as far as, as opposed to, um, as opposed to week to week this year. Uh, but they can recruit and they got a talent rich area in you know near washington dc so yeah uh but it's definitely as far as relevant teams this year it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on northwestern and see if they can repeat uh two years ago when they put together a a west division championship season yeah so and i'm definitely looking forward to see illinois play northwestern too with you know looking at how north you are really are you sure you Uh, want that uh, I'm not. I'm not um, looking forward to it. As in, I think that Illinois will beat them, but I'm just curious to see how they'll match up, especially like down towards the end of the season. Yeah. So, looking ahead and next weekend, what game are you most excited for? What are you? What is your number one that you want to be able to watch? Job all permitting. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll definitely have my eyes on all of them, but you know some just. 
as far as play by play, that's that's what comes in question. Um, but yes, let's actually let's frame it that way. Like this is the game that I want to be assigned to like tweet highlights for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking at the schedule now on my my monitor over here, and obviously Ohio State, Penn State's the one that jumps out. We talked yeah. about the luster being lost a little bit with Penn State starting out 0-1. But look, they can get right back into the mix here if they just beat Ohio State on uh, Saturday. Obviously, easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, is at ho- it is at home for Penn State. Uh, like we said, not sure how much that matters. Like the advantage with 110,000 doing a whiteout there uh, is is totally removed, and it's you know probably an even playing field. So I know Urban Meyer has said like he thinks Penn State gets 10 points advantage from that that crowd um oh, you know obviously wow. obviously no way to really measure that but it's it's impactful when a, a coach who's like experienced it and lost there yeah. says something like that so um that's the one i mean honestly looking at the rest of the schedule not a whole lot going on except for uh except for northwestern iowa which could be could be interesting you know iowa needs to stay in the mix they want to start owing two in the west like realistically the west division winner could be five and three, four and four this year. Like it can be a real mess this year. So nobody's out of it yet. Um, but you do not want to fall too far behind. Like if Illinois wins and if Iowa wins and you have a whole, you know, jumbled mess in the middle. So love to see, but, um, yeah, I mean, Penn state's right back in the thick of things if they can beat Ohio state, but obviously that's, that's easier said than done, especially with their confidence. I'm sure taking a huge hit after what happened in Bloomington yesterday. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I'll probably just go back and stay true to what I said in the beginning was I, I'm curious about how Wisconsin and Nebraska are going to look, um, just to see how things will play out with that team and just to see if it, if Mertz is going to be back and if not, what does Wisconsin do? And if they're still the same team without that QB, um, but I am excited to see Illinois versus Purdue on Saturday just because, not because I am a biased journalist, just because I am going to be able to cover that game. So I am one of the You're few lucky ones. Yeah, so I will be one of the nice. few lucky ones that will be able to actually watch a Big Ten football game in person because there's not many of us. So that'll be very exciting. And that's, that is the real reason why I'm excited to see it, people. But yeah, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. So even with all these uncertainties, it's still nice to sit here and talk about football. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, And again, you got to be on the first episode. So congratulations. (laughs) Listen, people are gonna be jealous of me because I was on the first episode, but I'm jealous of you because you get to go, like you said, cover football in person this year i don't know when it's going to be uh you know or how long it's going to be until i get to do that again and uh you know i I envy you greatly so enjoy the game this weekend um you know for for your sake uh and your sanity you've already said you're an illinois fan i (laughs) i i'll say i hope they pull it out um just purdue fans listening if there if there are any uh, i'm just kidding so yeah right (laughs) uh, thanks mariah for having me on i appreciate it That was this week's episode of Extra Points. I hope you guys enjoyed Alex and I talking about Big Ten football. I feel like he was the perfect guest to have on for this first episode. Guys, make sure to 
subscribe, rate, leave a review on the podcast. It would mean a lot. And I already appreciate the support, even if you're just listening to the podcast. I'll catch you guys next week on the next episode of Extra Points. Hope you enjoy another weekend full of Big Ten football.